Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. I remember when we had to start working from home and leaving the office and I was thinking about my home office and I had a huge bisexual pride flag in my office at home. And I remember thinking, I have to take this down. I have to take down these pieces that exist in my own home that represent who I am as a person. I have to take these down because I don't know if that's gonna be okay at work. It's time for Women Who Code Conversations, a segment to hear from top technology professionals sitting down with a Women Who Code member to discuss real world experiences in the industry. Hi, I'm Shauna Gregory, Chief Program Officer at Women Who Code. Hi, I'm Liz Harney, Email Automation Specialist at Women Who Code. Hi, I'm Samantha Healy, and I'm the digital designer here at Women Who Code. And I'm really excited for this conversation today because we'll be celebrating Pride Month and discussing what it's like to be a queer person in the workplace. In today's world, diversity and inclusion have become more than mere buzzwords, right? They represent the very essence of thriving and forward-thinking workplaces. However, I think we should acknowledge that the path to achieving true inclusivity for the LGBTQIA plus um, individuals has been paved with challenges and resilience and an unwavering determination to bring about change for us. And I think this conversation is an amazing opportunity to recognize the incredible contributions and talents and unique perspectives that queer people bring to every industry, every sector, and every profession. And I'm so honored to have this conversation with these two amazing people today to shed the topic of this immense significance of what it's like to be queer in the workplace. To share a little bit about myself, I am non-binary and I use they, them pronouns. And as a non-binary person, coming to terms with my identity and sexuality on top of everything has been quite a unique experience. I grew up I was born and raised in the South, and so conversations about identity and sexuality, it wasn't really brought up. It wasn't talked about, and I constantly question my identity without even acknowledging that there is vocabulary for this feeling, um, and it wasn't until I left college that I finally found myself in a safer environment where you know, people felt free to discuss like openly about identities and sexuality without the fear of judgment and bullying. But, you know, however, despite this safe space, it took me years to come out. And like, I didn't really have the courage to come out as non-binary, like right away. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to come out. It was, I'm going to wait a few years, kind of come out to myself first and then come out. And my sister was the first person I actually shared this with. And then eventually I came out to my friends and I came out to my family and then on my Instagram story, <laughs> last pride. <laughs> and it, it was definitely one of those, okay, someone, someone sees me now, someone knows. And so with that, if you two are comfortable, I would, I would love if you guys could share a bit about your, you know, personal experience outside of work and how that's shaped your identity as an LGBTQIA individual. 
Sure. I can go first, Liz, if you're okay. Of course. Of course. Um, Thank you so much, Samantha, for sharing your story. That's the first time I've heard it. And I know that it is, um, it's always hard to summarize because I feel like it's asking someone to explain who they are in a really kind of tidy way. And I think that's really challenging to do and not something that I think we can expect people to have an elevator pitch about their relationships or their life or their personal beliefs. But I can just speak to um, the aspect of community has always been really important to me. So uh, Women Who Code has been a community that has really helped me throughout my whole professional life. I joined uh, a while ago as a participant and then a volunteer, and I was really seeking community in tech that was not the startup environment that I was experiencing. So that was in New York City about seven years ago. And I felt the same when I went to a Women Who Code event as I do when I am around fellow queer people, which is that I feel like we have this shared understanding and a shared experience that is, I guess, in the minority or um, something that a lot of people don't really face day to day. So with Women Who Code, it's being underrepresented in the industry and being a queer person. It's being underrepresented and maybe underappreciated or under-respected by a lot of people in, at least our perspectives are all U.S.-based here, but globally. So I I definitely see the parallels of being part of Women Who Code and also being part of a larger queer community as being really important to me and my identity. What about you, Liz? (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's, I would say very similarly, the aspect of community is incredibly important to me. And I am someone who came to terms with my sexuality later in my life. And I relate so much to you, Samantha, in the way it's like I had to come out to myself first and had to process through that um, before I felt like I could come out to anyone else. Um, And so for years, I just, I didn't have the terminology. Um, I didn't know that bisexuality was a thing. I was constantly feeling confused and conflicted until really I became an adult and, you know, not only community, but also representation, I feel like is incredibly important, um, has been really pivotal for me as a queer person. I remember seeing Rosa Diaz on Brooklyn Nine-Nine coming out as bisexual on TV and I cried. And that was actually a really pivotal moment for me when I said, I actually have those same feelings. I think I'm bisexual too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so as much as uh, community is very important to me and, and finding my people, um, which is one of the reasons I recently relocated to a bigger city. I'm from the Midwest in a relatively small town. So I'm now in a bigger city now um, where the queer community is really thriving. Um, also that representation has been really pivotal for me um, and seeing people that look like me on on TV and um, in executive leadership roles, et cetera. Thank you for sharing. And um, I think when discussing, you know, personal experience and you mentioned Shauna about the inclusivity here at Women Who Code, I think it also kind of brings up the conversation and, you know, sometimes that argument that there should be this separation of work life and personal life. But I think that can sometimes be difficult, you know, as a queer person, especially when it's either you're coming into a new job or you're coming out, you know, publicly, you know, coming from 
one job where it was not a safe environment into a place like Women Who Code. I still, to this day, remember it was so simple. It was like a notification from the Monday board in my inbox where it was just like what the Monday board was called. And it was my onboarding. And it said, you know, Samantha Healy, they, them. And I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> those are my pronouns. And I, you know, I was like, wow, this, this is new. You know, I wasn't able to come out at my last job. And, you know, with that, how would you, you know, describe the overall work culture when it comes to LGBTQIA plus inclusivity and like the importance of having a safe and supported work environment for queer individuals, like especially for a new team member who could be coming from a previous job that, you know, wasn't quite safe or they weren't quite out yet? Yeah, that's a great question. And I feel like that highlights the power of technology to make really small changes, like including pronouns. I know Slack has a similar feature where you can include your pronouns in your profile. And, you know, I feel like it takes the representation of someone who has that as something that's important to them to make that happen within tech. So someone at Slack or someone at Monday was making sure that that feature existed because it was important to them. Um, But I will say that working in organizations where I did not feel fully comfortable discussing my sexuality for a number of reasons. I do think that it's unrealistic to expect people to keep their lives fully outside of work. We spend so much time at work. There has been pressure, you know, pre-pandemic to socialize with your your coworkers um, after work or on the weekends at times. And I feel like Anytime the conversation of family would come up at work or um, anytime someone was getting engaged or getting married, you know, these like really big moments and also everyday things that other people on the team might be going through, it, it really feels like being left out when you are so different from everyone else. So I definitely remember being, um, I was a product manager at the time, and I remember being on a team where no one that I knew of was an out queer person on our team. Um, and there was just a lot of conversations around like taking your kids to baseball practice and, you know, having a stay at home mom and wife. Um, so I just felt very separate from these extremely heteronormative ideals that everyone else at my company was was doing. And they were also a bit older than me. So I felt separated kind of being like the only woman, the only person under 30 at the time, the only person who was queer. And I just, you know, having very little in common with my coworkers or very little that we could discuss was really challenging. Whereas um, at Women Who Code, I feel like we can share some really fun moments with each other. And we can talk about TV shows, like the fact that Liz brought up Rosa Diaz. I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And and I remember that moment being really powerful. So I feel like that's something that I wouldn't really discuss the significance to me of with anyone at a previous job. Uh, Whereas when I joined Women Who Code, I remember um, Joey Rosenberg was uh, hiring me and was my manager when I first joined. And I remember being on the phone, kind of making arrangements to come in for onboarding. And in the background, um, there was some noise and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. My wife is in the background. 
And I got off the phone and I told my then girlfriend how excited I was that my new boss had a wife. I was like, this is great. (laughs) And we talked about it and I was like, wow, I could actually have someone that I will be working with and under who I have a lot in common with already, just kind of like knowing very little about Joey at the time. And that was really exciting for me. Yeah, I, um, so I, I think the pandemic was a really um, obviously unique experience for many different reasons. But, you know, my previous job that I was in, I never talked about my sexuality at work. There was very much a kind of like a strong, like, man's culture, boy's culture, you know, kind of feeling, again, kind of a relatively smaller Midwest city that I was living in at the time. And I remember when we had to start working from home and leaving the office. And I was thinking about my home office and I had a huge bisexual pride flag in my office at home. And I remember thinking, I have to take this down. I have to take down these pieces that exist in my own home that represent who I am as a person. I have to take these down because I don't know if that's gonna be okay at work. I don't know if someone's gonna ask about it and then I'm going to have to out myself at work or whatever's gonna happen. So I felt almost my personal space felt all of a sudden like I was being invaded, um, you know, and I was having to take down these pieces of myself. And so when looking for a new position, I think I didn't even really know at the time that it was possible to be in an inclusive work environment. You know, I had, you know, seen companies kind of putting forth and, you know, there's a lot of rainbow washing that happens, especially during pride of companies talking about how inclusive they are and their policies, you know, but then you look at their executive team or you look at their team page and everyone kind of looks the same and has the same kind of bio and background, et cetera. And so I didn't really know what it would mean to join an inclusion company, inclusive company. And so when I joined Women Who Code and very similarly, Shauna, when Joey mentioned her wife, I also got off the phone and just like ran to my husband and was like, this is incredible. I think this is like a whole new journey for me. Like, I think this is gonna, this is gonna change everything for me. And it has, you know, I think, it's really kind of impossible to bring your best performance if you can't be your whole self. And, you know, like, like Shauna said, I, I think it's unrealistic to say that there's a true separation or that we should be expected to have that separation. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, thank you again for sharing. I remember this was my first job right out of college. I was also just recently out publicly to like, not just my immediate friends and family. And I remember, you know, stepping foot into this office. I had my own, I had my own office. I had my own desk and I was so excited. And I remember wanting to add a signature to my email and I was going to put they, them next to my name. I really wanted to do that. I was so excited. I'm like, I'm in, you know, I'm in this corporate kind of setting, like, I finally get to do it and not have it with my, you know, college email. It was a work email. And I remember it was one of those moments where someone said something in the office and I had to step back and I was like, I'm not queer. (laughs) I, I, uh, 
don't feel safe. But, you know, it, it, to bring up what Liz said, it, I felt like I wasn't doing my best because I wasn't, you know, my authentic self. I was kind of, I'd go home. I was myself. I'd wake up in the morning, put on this mask, go to work, did what I had to do, but it, it wasn't my best because I had to hide who I truly was in this work environment. And I remember also speaking of Joey in my interview, I, when they asked me for my pronouns, I was like, wow, <laughs> this is so new. And I remember I, at first I was, I almost, you know, just said, oh, she, her, because I was so, you know, stuck being this, you know, person I wasn't in this place because it was the safest I could be, especially as someone who lives in the South and with everything going on in the South, you know, being non-binary or, or trans or queer in general, it's, it's not safe. And so I remember just being there and then just seeing them and them telling me who they were. I was like, this is safe. This is, this is okay. And I was like, I use they, them pronouns. And I was really excited. And I remember getting off. I called, I called my sister and I was like, I really want to work here. <laughs> I'm, I feel, you know, I, again, the word safe. And I think starting here, I think I've probably have grown into a better artist, like through my digital design, because I feel more comfortable with talking to people, having conversations where I'm not hiding who I truly am. Um, you know, so a question for Shauna, uh, for someone who works in the C-suite, how can workplaces better support individuals using their pronouns and creating an inclusive environment for all employees? Yeah, that is a great question. So we talked at the start a little about features that are baked into technology that we already use, right? Um, we have things like Slack and Monday and all of these different things. And Samantha, you mentioned including pronouns in email. I think it's really important that companies, I, I know of well-intentioned companies that have had the idea to make that mandatory, but there are still people, regardless of how inclusive the company thinks they are, there are people who are not ready to do that. Um, and making it mandatory might kind of have the opposite of the intended effect. But I do think it's really crucial for startups especially to prioritize an employee handbook. And it sounds extremely basic, but it is often the very last thing a new tech company will do is hire someone who prioritizes people and culture and inclusion. It's really common for a tech company to be several years old before they put a lot of thought into you know, the day-to-day -day treatment and culture and code of conduct for their team. And it's usually when something bad happens or when a lawsuit emerges that prompts them to do this. So working with companies, working with organizations that have inclusion at the core is really important for startups, even if they aren't ready to come up with their own employee handbook and be really open about having an inclusive culture, they kind of need to learn what that is first. So we work with a lot of partners who've adopted a similar code of conduct to the one that we have, which states that we're an inclusive environment. We don't tolerate harassment. Um, I think it's really important when we 
onboard volunteers, for example, at Women Who Code, um, we let them know, like, never ask anyone why they're at an event, because I think it's really common for people to come to a Women Who Code event in person, and they might ask someone who doesn't appear to be a woman, whatever that means, why are you here? Um, and that's something that we have backtracked and made sure volunteers know, like, it doesn't matter why anyone is here, because we're open and inclusive and anyone can join. So I know I've veered off the question that you asked, Samantha, but it's really important to not only create those policies, but also implement them and check on them throughout, you know, the months and years that follow is, does this still make sense? Is there a new language? Do we need to adopt, um, you know, a different platform that better serves our team or our employees and do we need to incorporate new training or refresh the training that we have? So again, a lot of companies don't prioritize this. I think that companies that we work closely with, I have seen them do that, but it is challenging for companies that are prioritizing new technology, new products, new money, you know, bringing in revenue to also say and truly care about their teams. Uh, to go off that, I, I was thinking of like with startup companies, especially with tech, there's that conversation when it comes to, you know, coding language, especially, you know, drop down boxes when either you're applying for a job or you're, you know, setting up a new account on a website. It always, you know, asks like, what are your pronouns? And it's always very male, female, other. And I think, you know, I think it would be helpful and to like for a tech company to like have this in step for, you know, them internally, but also, you know, externally for what they could use like on websites and platforms and in their coding language. And I think that also with conversations like this, I'm curious to, you know, hear your experiences if you're comfortable with, you know, if you've experienced any tokenism or microaggression, especially, you know, as a bisexual person, I've, they'll see me and they assume because I am female presenting, it's, oh, what does your boyfriend do? Or, well, for instance, what does your husband do when you talk about your partner? How do you, you know, go around that to, you know, educate in a work environment? Sure. Is that question for me, Samantha? <laughs> or either one of you. Yeah. Sure. Um, well, something immediately sprang to mind and I'll try to share try to summarize as best as I can. So I had moved to um, a new city because my girlfriend had started a grad school program. And so I looked for jobs. I was pretty open when I was applying for these jobs. Like, the reason I was moving was personal reasons. And I had moved from New York to Boston to move in with her. And I had started a new job and I had referred to her when talking to my team about my girlfriend. I talked about her all the time. Um, this was like, I don't know, year two of our relationship. So I was talk about her all the time. And then we had a, um, a company party, probably the same month that I joined, maybe a month later. So early on. And one of the engineers that I worked with, um, it took him that long for it to click that girlfriend didn't mean like my best friend that I was obsessed with and talked about all the time and also was my roommate. And I just remember, I remember him being embarrassed, but not embarrassed enough, honestly. And I was like, okay, <laughs> that's really interesting, buddy, that, that, you know, your assumptions are so strongly held that, you know, it couldn't occur to you that this would have another meaning. 
So I, I definitely remember that being a moment of, oh, well, this really is a team where, you know, everyone was in a certain age bracket and went, everyone had gone to a specific school in Boston at the same time. I feel like most people in engineering were men. And I just remember that moment being really stark that there were no other queer people on our team. There were very few other women on our team. There was very little racial diversity on our team. And I immediately started looking for a new job because it didn't feel like the type of thing that I had the power to change. Whereas I had come from a really progressive company in New York where I felt more comfortable being out and open and also had the authority to make change. I did not have that this, at this company and I didn't feel comfortable for the the short year that I was there. But it's such, it is a, a microaggression. I mean, it's it's not something that he had intended. And I think it's something that he felt embarrassed about, but it's also something that made me feel deeply uncomfortable when it happened. Yeah. What about you, Liz? Let's talk about your fun stories. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think it's it's kind of a it's kind of a weird experience. Uh, I think weird is the best way I can put it. Being a bisexual woman, you know, I am married to a man. And I think pretty much everyone I've ever met, uh, minus the people that know I'm bisexual, would immediately assume that I'm straight. You know, there's that idea of a straight passing relationship, which I don't know if I completely agree with. <laughs> um, but as far as work goes, you know, this is Women Who Code is the first time I felt comfortable talking about my sexuality openly at work. So in the past, when I've mentioned my husband, everyone kind of just assumes that I'm straight. And in those places that I didn't feel safe, I allowed them to. And in that way, that was a privilege. I was privileged to be able to do that, to feel like if I'm not safe, this protects me, which feels really horrible to say. But unfortunately, that is a privilege. And so I haven't experienced many microaggressions in the workplace because I've hidden myself <laughs> um, for most of my work career. So now that I met women in co women who code, I can tell you I've haven't experienced anything like that. It's been a really great organization to work with. As far as you know, when I mention my husband anymore, I mention him as my partner because I the more years that go on, <laughs> the more um, sure of myself I've become and the more sure of my sexuality and the confident I've become, confidence in my sexuality, that I'm scared that if I say husband, someone's not going to believe that I'm queer. And so anymore, I really avoid the term husband and I, I say partner instead because um, I want people to know that I'm still queer, like I'm still in, in here. <laughs> um, my relationship doesn't um, validate or invalidate my sexuality um, and I'm still bisexual. Oh, I love that Liz. I, I'm, I'm here and, and I'm queer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Do you both of you, um, do you have any pro tips or advice uh, that you would give to uh, LGBTQIA plus individual navigating their careers or maybe stepping into a new company in terms of, you know, creating an inclusive and accepting work environment? 
I can go. Um, I, I definitely think that like sexuality, I think coming out is also a spectrum. You don't have to be all or nothing when it comes to who you decide to trust at your new workplace or your new school or what, whatever your next step is. I know that even though I am extremely proud of my relationship and my identity, um, there are still times because we're a global organization that I do feel like it's less, not appropriate, but I feel less comfortable um, speaking with people in a part of the world that I know does not necessarily respect my identity. So it doesn't feel great to hide that or to withhold that information. But an example would be um, traveling abroad and, and working in India and having many questions about why at the time I was an unmarried woman without a husband and children. I just kind of, you know, laughed that off and, and didn't really elaborate into my very valid reasons for not that not being the case or how that it's an assumption that, you know, I, I'm not really comfortable with. I would say it's okay to to navigate at your own pace and you don't need to be um, a representative of the entire LGBTQIA community every time you have a meeting with someone or you interact with anyone. So it's definitely a spectrum. It definitely changes. I know that especially in the U.S., we are such a fractured country that has different legislation happening at the state level that, um, I mean, the three of us are from all different parts of this country. And um, unfortunately, there are no state level anti-discrimination laws for uh, sexual and gender identity in at least, I want to say 10 or 12 states. Um, and that's just kind of the minimum of hiring discrimination in, in my mind. Uh, there's also a lot of anti-trans legislation that makes people feel really uncomfortable to be themselves, even if it is something that is not impacting them. It's a topic of conversation that your coworkers or, you know, people might be having that you get to learn what some opinions are that impact you, but might make you deeply uncomfortable to learn that some people might uphold book banning or might uphold mm -hmm. Uh, gender affirming care for young children. And um, yeah, it's just a really interesting time to navigate as someone who might feel really strongly or, or really attached to a community that is deeply hurting. Again, I have veered very far off course your question, Samantha, but I really, this has been on my mind a lot. And I know that there are a lot of people in our community that are impacted by a lot of the legislation that is happening. No, yeah, no, thank you for bringing that up. Um, I could not agree more with you, Shauna. I know I'm in the process of writing uh, our pride blog for Women Who Code, and I'm, you know, I think I saw a number, it was over 400 anti-LGBTQ plus legislation in 2023, just this year. And that is terrifying um, for so many people in this community. And so I guess my pro tip would be to take care of yourself, take care of your mental health, take lots of deep breaths, check in with yourself. You know, if you're in a position where you're transitioning to a different career or a new place of work, you know, I completely agree with what Shauna said. You know, you don't have to come out to everyone at work. Um, you can come out to a few trusted people at work or nobody at all. It's whatever your level of comfort is. Um, no one should be pushed to come out or feel tokenized. Um, if they do come out, you know, they're the one 
queer person on executive in the executive suite, right? Or whatever that might look like, you know? So just keep tabs on how you're feeling, keep tabs on your mental health and know that you can, um, you have the power to control who you do and don't come out to um, in the workplace. Thank you both so much for this conversation today. I, this is probably the first time me and Shauna have been able to actually discuss things like this. And I'm really, I'm really honored to have been able to speak with both of you today. And thank you so much for sharing your stories. If you're looking to be a part or support the Women Who Code community, join Volunteer Donate at womenwhocode.com. Visit our job board for job postings that are created for diverse ca candidates like yourself at womenwhocode.com slash jobs. Thank you both so much for having this conversation with me today. Um, happy Pride. Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash Women Who Code. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate, and comment.